The following story is fully improvised and was originally recorded at 8Spark Studios. George Ellison was running through the streets of New New York as fast as he could. The shadow was creeping up behind him, and people were already locking themselves away, no doubt trying to find basements. Most of them he knew they didn't have, trying to hide away from the destruction that was imminent above. He looked up and he could see the front end of the Zeppelin coming into his vision. He fell on the ground and scuffed his knees. He he had tripped over a, a wheel of a car that had been left in the middle of the street. He looked up and a dog was licking his face. Hey, boy. And he saw the shadow creep over the dog. Fuck, we gotta get out of here, man, he said to the dog. The dog looked up to him and cocked his head sideways. It was a... Chihuahua. He picked the dog up, said fuck it, and he ran, trying to outrun the shadow. And now he could feel heat, or at least he thought he could. He looked up again and he saw the fire from the Zeppelin. It was crashing. It was falling towards the city. And he had to make it out of the path of the Zeppelin. And as he ran, clutching a little Taco Bell dog in his arms, he passed a bunch of people who were standing, staring up at the Zeppelin in shock, in awe. And they were staring and they weren't moving, and they were right in the path. And he yelled at them, Go! Assholes, go! Run! And they just continued slack-jawed, staring at the Zeppelin. He's like, well, your life, not mine. And he ran. And as he was running, the little Taco Bell dog called uh, Gizmo pissed on the side of his shirt. And eventually, he got far enough away that he was able to turn back around and watch as the Zeppelin crashed into the side of a building first, deflated, and then fell, and the, the canvas, the tarp, whatever you want to call it, fell, enveloping on top of the crowd of people that had been just standing there with their jaws open. And out of breath, clutching onto Gizmo with a yellow stain on his shirt, he said, Oh shit, I need to go help those people. And he ran towards them. And as he was running towards them, the canvas started to move. And he was like, what the fuck is going on? And it looked almost like little tiny fingers running around underneath the canvas. Boop, 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 boop. And the closer he got, the more he realized that they weren't fingers, that they were people that had survived underneath. And they worked their way out from underneath the tarp. And they said, holy shit, we didn't see anybody inside. And he said, what? And George was confused. And all of the people who'd been in the group took attendance of themselves to make sure that everybody had made it out safely. And they said, nobody was driving this fucking Zeppelin. But what about Susan? Huh? None of them seemed to know who Susan was, but he knew or thought he had known what was going on. He had a flashback to an old girlfriend who had broken up with him not long before her entrance into the Zeppelin Academy. She had gone on mumbling about the things she would do with the Zeppelin and the new order that she would usher in with the crashing of the Zeppelin, and he had thought she was crazy. And he had decided to back out of his own pilot's degree and decided to go on working as a dishwasher living in the city down below. So when the people said that they had no idea who she was, he thought that they were either lying to cover up her tracks or that she had been on a different Zeppelin. Could there be another Zeppelin coming? Could this not be the Zeppelin? He stepped up to them 
Do yous know who Susan is? Who's Susan? They said, scratching their head, wiping off the dust and debris. He couldn't help but thinking, how the hell are they still alive after that crash? They all kind of just walked off into the distance, and he scratched his chin, and the little chihuahua bit his arm. Fuck, he said, and he dropped the dog, and the dog just sat there barking at him. And then he tried to remember what ship Susan was scheduled to go on. He glanced over to this crash ship and he saw the ID that was imprinted on the side of the canvas of all of the ships in in the League of Ships. And he saw that it was not her ship after all. And then another shadow started creeping over him. And he looked up and sure enough, there was another Zeppelin coming in. Only this one was like five times the size of this other one. And this one he knew held the failed, diseased vaccine that she said she would unleash on the new world. Oh, fuck, he said. The dog barked. George instantly started pushing the canvas out of the way, and he got into the basket and tried to... Not the basket, it's not a hot air balloon. (laughs) He tried to start the motor of this... Of this Zeppelin, but it would not turn over. It had, in fact, taken a lot of damage. Oh, shit, he said. Even if I could get this thing off the air, I don't know if I could drive it. And he ran out into the street, which traffic had completely stopped by then. There was cars piled up everywhere, just staring in awe at the Zeppelin laying out in the middle of the road. And he saw a police officer standing there. His his mouth was open, too, and he was kind of slack-jawed. And he didn't really know what to do because there wasn't any manual that had any any precautions about crashing zeppelins there hadn't been a crash zeppelin since the famous famous uh crash zeppelin from the early days of mankind year yeah i don't remember so george walks up to the police officer and he says i've got an idea we are going to stop this zeppelin but we need to get into the air first and the police officer said who's this wee shit you're talking about and george says oh real fucking cute officer thanks for all the help protect and serve my ass And the officer just went back to looking at the Zeppelin as it soared across the sky, heading straight for the Empire State Building. And as he was watching this, he pulled a flask out of the pocket, out of his shirt pocket, and he opened it and he started drinking. He said, I always knew it was going to end this way. (laughs) But as he started to walk away, trying to scratch his brain, looking for something to solve this ridiculous riddle that he found himself in, he heard a voice from behind him. He turned around and, and the officer was running towards him. Wait a minute. I have a son, little Charlie, and he always wanted his father to be a hero, and I have just been writing parking tickets and doing stupid shit like that, and I guess I didn't think of it when you said it, but this could be my calling. All right, let's do this. You, me, and the Chihuahua. Oh yeah, he's cute. The dog growled at him. Well, kind of. But what's your name? I gotta know your name before we go into this together. The officer smiled and pulled out his ID and said, Officer Dugan. I'm training to be a sheriff, he said. This could be my big moment. George said, yeah, sure, buddy. Knowing that the both of them might die, but it was the least they could do to save humanity. He picked up the little chihuahua who started gnawing on his arm again. He didn't know why he was carrying him, but something in his heart compelled him (laughs) to protect this little bastard of a dog. And so they ran and they ran into the airship building around the corner that he knew existed. Car sky gas. (laughs) Car sky gas. Well... It was next to the Car Sky Gas facility. There was nobody in the lobby, so they weren't obstructed. And they went into the nearest elevator, and they went up, listening to the elevator music. And they went up 562 floors. And then they went out into a lobby where the mini ships were docked. It was the docking station for the mini ships. 
and they picked the nearest one. He threw the dog into the back seat, who yipped, and they squeezed in, and they took off out of the building, and quickly found themselves behind the large airship, which was now headed towards Coney Island. Coney Island? Why would it be headed in that direction, he thought. And in the distance, he thought he could see on the little basket, because <laughs> it was just one little basket. It was a two-floor basket. And on the bottom floor, he thought he could see, sure enough, that long, dark hair and that scowling look and that captain's hat. It was her, Susan. She was flipping him off. George, Dugan, Gizmo all flew in this craft in which Dugan had the wheel. They got behind Susan, who was still flipping them off pretty pretty vehemently, pretty vehemently, <laughs> whatever that word was that I was trying to find. Did you just make up a word? Yes, pretty ferociously, she was flipping them off. And Dugan said, do we have any missiles on this fucking thing? And he started pressing buttons. Turns out it didn't have any missiles. And George said, if we can get close enough, I can pull a commando move and I can jump off of our craft onto her craft and I can disassemble it and we can save the day. And Dugan said, that sounds just stupid enough to work. Let's do it. So he pushed the pedal down and they gained ground on her. They started to catch up really fast. And rather than getting close enough so he could jump off, Dugan just crashed right into the back of it, <laughs> making Susan almost fall over. What the fuck, George said. And Dugan kind of laughed because it entertained him. And he said, all right, this is your moment. And he pulled right up as close to the Zeppelin as he could get it. And George climbed out and sort of scaled the side of the ship as best he could, hanging on to little bits of fat frab. The basket? <laughs> yeah. It's made out of, it's a uh, wicker. <laughs> it's a two-floor wicker basket at the bottom of a balloon. He's, he's hanging on to little fragments of his ship first, sort of scaling it like a rock climber. And then he jumped and grabbed a handful of wicker, and one hand slid <laughs> off, so he was just hanging by one hand, screaming, Oh, shit! Oh, shit! As his feet sort of flapped in the air. And then, in a heroic moment, the other hand grabbed the wicker basket. And he sought to scale it one handful at a time. Theme music pulsed in his head as he saw <laughs> And Susan standing there, staring at him. I always knew it would be you, she said. I always knew it would be you that would stop me, George Ellison. You son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> the best lover I ever had. Behind him, Dugan is still steering the ship very poorly, wobbling it. And he could hear the yipping and yapping of Gizmo. Fucking dog, why did I bring that dog? It's going to tie around in the end here somewhere. Then a shadow appeared and he could see Susan and that dark hair. And then he saw a fucking knife in her hand. And she started reaching over and, ja and stabbing the wicker, trying to get his hand. And it kept moving around. It was almost like a game. He kept having to move his hand. And then finally, with one hand grasped on the wicker, as she lunged a little too hard and couldn't get her blade out, he reached up and grabbed her wrist and then shimmied up her arm and then yanked her. And she came towards the edge of the wicker basket and he could see her face up close. Suddenly, there was a big gust of wind and both the airship and the mini ship were tossed to the side. And Susan fell even more over the side of the basket until she was completely out. And she fell over George. George, still grasping her wrist, held on tight. And now he was gripping onto the whisker, onto the, onto the, the, the wicker, which was incredibly strong. And it held his weight and hers. And she was hanging down below him. And she was looking back at him, still angry. Dugan maneuvered the ship, the small ship, underneath just in time to catch as George fell. He landed on the hood of the ship. You're lucky I was paying attention, Dugan shouted. 
and he maneuvered it again close enough so that George could grasp the wicker and try to shimmy his way up a second time. And as he got up close to the top, he grabbed a hold of the blade of the knife that was still stuck, and he started shimmying it. The blade? Said, oh, I can... Yeah, the, the knife? Wasn't he, it stuck he in the He grabbed the basket? blade? Oh, he did grab the handle. <laughs> yeah, maybe he did grab the blade. He's kind of dumb. He grabbed the handle, and he started shaking it. And after what felt like an hour's worth of shaking, the blade came <laughs> loose from the wicker. And Susan had backed herself up to the other side of the basket, and she was staring at him with wide eyes as he climbed over the side and got inside into the basket itself. And he noticed that they had gone over the line, and they were now over Coney Island. He recognized some of the things below and he knew that they were there he and susan are facing each other and she says i never wanted it to end like this i gave you plenty of warning you could have gotten out of town you could have left and he said i couldn't let you why does it sound like a soap opera i couldn't let this i couldn't let this happen susan you're doing the wrong thing you're making a mistake no susan said, i never loved you <laughs> it was your brother the whole time <laughs> she, she approaches him and says, you're going to die. And she pushes him, and he falls against the the wicker, but luckily catches himself. And he realizes that he's dropped the knife. The knife is now between his feet, and Susan is heading right for it. Okay. She reached out to grab the knife, and he kicked her hand out of the way and lunged at her, pushing her down on her back. And he was on top of her, holding her hands down. And he stared into her eyes, as he had many a times before. And he said, I loved you, you know. She says... It's too late. As the <laughs> Zeppelin continues to descend towards the earth. Why do you have to do this? And Susan smiled and her eyes looked innocent suddenly and he thought she might even cry. You know how it's been going. It's mankind needs a reset. Everyone is awful. Except you, George. You were the only good man I ever knew. And George knew that this was a lie. But she was playing with his heartstrings and he felt himself lower onto her. And at that moment, he wanted to make love to her in the double-storied wicker basket as they crashed into Coney Island. But he knew this was not that story. And he stood up. No, this is not the way. You'll turn everybody into zombies. So what? They're already zombies with their Skarkai gas and their Vincent Terrence Tito films on repeat. They're living in la-la lands. They don't want to face reality. He heard a yip from behind him. It was that damn dog. He turned over his shoulder and he saw that Dugan was still flying the ship miserably, wiping a bead of sweat from his forehead. He had to admit, the man had gumption. He was keeping up. He really wanted to prove to his son, Charlie, that he was a hero. And he thought, someday he will be. Maybe not in this timeline, but in some timeline, Dugan will be a sheriff. He backed up to the edge of the basket, and then he realized that he was on the bottom floor of the wicker basket and he had to get to the top floor to get closer to the balloon. I'm going to destroy this balloon. And then he realized that that probably wouldn't be a good idea because if the balloon crashed, that would just be her plan anyway. No, I'm going to wait a second and then we're going to crash the balloon into the ocean because there are children down there, Susan. There are children in that theme park, little girls and little boys on Ferris wheels. And he climbed up a ladder to the top floor of the wicker basket and he found a steering wheel and a, a lever that he knew that one way or the other he had to pull or push. And they just missed the Ferris wheel, and they crashed into the ocean. You put me in the ocean? That's where I got to pick it up from? <laughs> Water cascaded over the wicker basket and swept Susan off her feet. And soon... Like he long ago had... <laughs> and George quickly got enveloped by water and by the canvas. He got 
spun around in the current in the water and also got wrapped up in the canvas of the balloon. And this felt like a prison because being trapped in water was bad enough. But being trapped in water and canvas, it's like a body bag full of salt water. He kicked and he screamed and he pushed. And as he did this, he realized he didn't have a lot of time. Time was not on his side because most people can't hold their breath for more than two minutes. He kicked and thrashed and eventually he found a little crease that was light in all the darkness and he said that's it that's got to be the fold and he kicked off from what little bit of canvas he could get under his feet and he slid out through the opening and he realized that quickly he was going the wrong way (laughs) he realized he was going down and not up and he said oh shit and he started kicking towards the surface and eventually he burst through the break of water and gasped for air And he flopped around and he looked left and he looked right and he looked up and down and he could not find Susan. He could find the canvas as it was slowly descending into the water. And above him, he could see Dugan and he could even hear the dog barking. But Susan was nowhere to be found. I know you're here, he said, gripping the knife, expecting to come in contact with her at any minute and cut her. And that's when he remembered, oh, right, the zombie vaccine is in there somewhere. She's probably going after that. And then he heard a loud foghorn and he he saw a cruise liner and he saw people on it, people looking shocked. And he focused his vision and he saw they were helping. There was a rope that had been thrown down and they were helping a lady up. And then he realized they were helping Susan up. No, he shouted. And he started doggy paddling really fast, trying to get as close as he could to the water. His feet were still stuck on the canvas of the airship that was still floating, getting sucked down into the ocean with the current. And finally, he broke his way through and he saw Dugan fly the mini airship and he heard a tiny faint yip of the dog in the distance and it flew over the ship he's like fuck what what was even the point of him and he swam towards the ship but as he approached the ship he realized that uh, susan had already been pulled up overboard and he could see in her hand the flash of something and he knew right away that she was holding a needle in behind her back and he thought oh fuck he raised his arms up and people didn't notice him at first and he was like i'm here too and then finally someone noticed him a young boy named christopher hey mister mister captain captain looked over and said oh my god and they threw the rope back over and he started to climb but by the time he reached the ship he could see that many people had already fallen because susan was running around jamming the needle into the neck of everybody she saw and then not only were they going to be zombies but they'd be hepatitis zombies (laughs) and he stopped and she turned and smiled and dropped the needle and all around her all the bodies rose up again they were the living dead Jesus Christ bananas, he said, remembering an old Stephen King book. The zombies all turned on George, progressing with their hands out, sprinkly, wrinkly looking skin <laughs> hanging from their faces. <laughs> they said as Be- they beautiful. moved closer. <laughs> Thank you. And George said, oh, my worst nightmare, zombies and my ex-girlfriend. Ugh. So he pushed his way, trying not to get bitten. And he successfully managed to push one zombie really hard and she tripped over and fell out of the boat and he pushed his way out of the zombies swinging his knife threatening them stay back stay back you hear me and he started following susan he climbed up the ladder to the topmost uh part of the ship and he could see susan now climbing a radio antenna what the hell are you doing he shouted and she still had that needle when she reached the top and he reached the bottom she looked down and said i've always loved you george ellison but now Now is the time for the future. And she took the needle and jammed it into her own neck. And then she slid back down the radio antenna. And he backed off a little bit. 
And you could hear the zombies who hadn't climbed the ladder because zombies can't climb ladders. He had figured out. So it was just him and Susan here. And she started approaching him. She had dropped the needle. Oh, she said. And he could see up ahead that they were about to crash into the land. And he knew that this, if not her first plan, was her backup plan. Because if the ship reached the land, the zombies would surely climb over. And that would be the beginning of the end for the rest of humanity. But as she approached, he heard a faint a whirring. And then he saw in the distance a little silver mini ship flying up in the air. And he heard a yip yip. And he saw that it was Officer Dugan and the little dog. Officer Dugan maneuvered the ship as close as he could to the boat, and, much to their surprise, the little yippy dog jumped on board onto the ship and started snapping at Susan, the zombie. And he successfully bit into her leg, and he continued to bite ferociously, one after another, like a dog four times its size. Had a boy, Gizmo. And Dugan pulled out a pistol, and with one hand on the wheel and his pistol in his hand, he started shooting at the zombies that were just on the deck below. Bang, 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 bang! said we can control this outbreak i'm on it and as he's doing this the ship bumps into the boat and turns over and lands in the ocean no george shouts he's afraid that dugan is dead and as he grabs susan and throws her from the first deck to the second deck he jumps off behind her in a heroic way and he goes down with the knife in his teeth like a freaking marine or something <laughs> like a navy seal and he jumps down and he starts slashing it <laughs> he starts slashing at all the zombies and there are bits and pieces just flying everywhere and gizmo comes down the stairs behind him biting at them and as he's tearing the last one apart he looks over the ledge and there's dugan swimming he's alive and then finally, before he, he keeps swinging and he realizes he's swinging in the air because everything is dead around him. And he was just in his, his adrenaline was so far up that he was just mindlessly swiping. And then he stopped himself and breathed deep. He turned around and he saw a sea of bodies when the ship crashed onto the land. Oh, fuck. And he fell over and threw up. And he stood up. Hopefully he had killed all the zombies, he thought. He walked over all the zombies, the dog behind him. He stopped and picked up the dog, who started gnawing on his arm. Ah, fucking little brat. He climbed down the ramp, and there was a small group of people, leaders of the new world, of the free world, who had been awaiting his arrival. You did it, George Ellison. The frontmost person was the president. He said, fucking A, man, you did it. He said, I, I couldn't have done it without uh, Officer Dugan, who I think should be promoted immediately to sheriff. And the officer had just climbed up onto the pier and was soaking wet and exhausted. And he walked up and saluted. Well, from here on, the president said, you are honorary sheriff. And he gave him a sheriff's badge. You are from now, here on out, Sheriff Dugan. <laughs> hanging out in his pocket. You are Sheriff Dugan. And Dugan said, wow, won't Charlie be fucking impressed? And then he just walked off into the distance. And behind, on his back now, the dog, the chalupa, the taco dog. <laughs> the chihuahua yipped. And he said, oh, and he reached behind his back and he put it forward. He said, this is Gizmo. And the president said, you are honorary canine rescue unit. The dog yipped and bit the president's arm. Fucking A. Yeah, he does that, George said. And you, George Ellison, you are honorary. Uh, we don't have a badge for you, he said. <laughs> but uh, we, good things for you in the future. And everybody clapped in the background. <laughs> what? The Medal of, the Medal of Valor. <laughs> yes, Medal of, Medal of Honor, Medal of Valor, all the things. You, you literally saved humanity. And they started to walk along 
towards a hover bus that was waiting for everybody. And as they approached the bus, the president started acting weird. His arms started twitching. And so too did George's arms. And they all stopped when the president and George stopped. And they were looking at their arms, which were growing like purple and they couldn't control them and then the more they start started tried to talk the more it just came out as moans and everybody's eyes started to widen the dog yipped and started to snarl and then quickly they realized that the dog had bit the zombies no could it be the president started walking towards the closest person in the crowd (laughs) he reached up to him and grabbed him and then bit his neck and tore a huge piece out of it and then that person turned around and started biting the neck off of the next person and then quickly george started to realize that all along the dog had been a carrier of the disease this has been the writer's block cool kids remember to subscribe and tune in next week for the next episode of the writer's block the coolest podcast of all time time time